The Guardian. There's a woman attached to a, a massive lock-on by her neck and her arms, and another man attached to uh, the same lock-on by, by his arms. If anyone crashes this gate, these people will die. Will you please tell me what am I going to be, living like a rat? Because that's the way they're treating us. Rats have got better lives at the moment in Dale Farm than we've got. I understand we're on Greenbelt land, but put us into Brownbelt land and just leave us there. That's all we're ever asking any of the government. The oldest member of the community is Daniel Sheridan, the great-grandfather of these children that cannot live without electricity because he's got a breathing oxygen mask. He's got all sorts. It is not fair to do this to an 80-year-old. The ongoing confrontation at Dale Farm in Essex, where 86 traveller families are being evicted for building on land without permission. But does it need to be like this? I said you want to call a wife spot. Yeah, wife spot. Yeah. I knew you would. <laughs> Who are they? That's two of the lads who live here. And they're on the cart here? Yeah, they they've got their horse. They, they do a little the bit peaceful of situation at Hofield, just down the, the road from Dale Farm. The washing machines and things like that. They get a lot of stuff for people, do people cooperate? Yeah, yeah. They've been known for years around here. The families live around here for years. I suppose the thing that you notice is that it's just really tidy here, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's really well looked after, very well maintained. Um, is, is it hard to keep it that way? No, no, they do, they do their own, basically. I mean, where you see, like this young man down here, he's done all the block paving himself, um, put yourself a little kitchen shed on the back. How do people get on with the, the wider community outside this uh, particular estate? Fine, people come in, they come in and chat and deal with the boys and sometimes, you know, have a little chat with them, come up and see the horses and things. I mean, look, we're standing by some lavender bushes and a neat, tidy, quiet, sensible site that's not impinging on anyone else's privacy, well integrated into the community. It's a managed site. They pay tax, they pay the council tax, they pay rent. They, in many instances, are strongly religious communities. Um, they're actually the complete antithesis of what you tend to see or in the press, particularly recently. And they're really the complete opposite of what most people's perception is of travellers. More sites like this one might prevent illegal settlements, so why aren't there more of them? Well, as they say, follow the money. Inquiries made by this Guardian-focused podcast suggest that of the £97 million made available for the Gypsy and Traveller Grant programme in 2008, only 17 million has actually been spent on providing sites. 97 million pounds. That was a handsome sum. So where did it go? I'm joined by The Guardian's Lexi Topping, who's been asking a few questions about this whole thing. Lexi, what do we know? Well, as you said, Hugh, we've got this large figure of 97 million pounds from 2008 to 2011. Only 17 million of that was spent and only four new sites were created. Just 37 new pitches for travellers. We also found out that of the money that was spent, 15 million was spent on other projects that weren't traveller related, underfunded commitments in other programmes we heard. So how did that happen? Because th that money was clearly allocated for traveller sites. So how did it end up being spent on something else? It was, but it wasn't ring-fenced. So it wasn't specifically ring-fenced, and that money was therefore siphoned off for other projects. Do you know what they, they were? 
Um, we were told by the Homes and Communities Agency that they were for affordable housing projects. And there is a suspicion that affordable housing projects were given the go-ahead when traveller sites weren't. Right, so the, the travellers who had this great promise of all this money ended up losing out. Exactly. Money that in fact was made for them, the most deprived section of society, you could argue, actually went to build houses for people who would never be able to live in them. Okay, what else do we know? Well, the budget for 2010 to 2011 was completely cut. Um, And, you know, that's been a slash of 30 million. We also found out that the previous government targets for spending and the creation of new sites has been completely abandoned. So nobody will be checking up to see if any sites have been created or if this section of society is being catered for. How does that make sense? You have a government that talks about value for money, money is tight, so they'll be spending money, but there'll be no mechanism for reviewing what's happening to that money. Absolutely, this is light touch government. This is very much in the localism bill that we will put it in the hands of local authorities who know best. The traveller section of the community would argue, well, the the direct result of that is that the money isn't spent because nobody wants to take the very unpopular decision of building traveller sites. So where are we now? Well, we're in a situation now where this, the, the budget for this year has been cut. However, there is £60 million that's going to be available for the next four years with um, a budget of just over £15 million a year. So that's about half the budget that, that was previously available. Travellers hope that that money will be more ring-fenced and available for traveller communities in order to build new sites. But so it's less money, but there will actually be ring-fencing this time. So councils won't be able to apply for that money and either sit on it or spend it on other things. That's right, but they will still have to apply for it, and that's a big question. Well, clearly this is an issue dominated by and dogged by the politics. But perhaps the public perception of travellers being troublesome may have a bearing on the decisions taken by the Secretary of State. Certainly we know they went down well with the Tory grassroots and in the pages of the Daily Mail. But it's not so popular at Hofield, where they're keen to show that the ordinary realities of life as a traveller or a gypsy doesn't necessarily fit the stereotype. I went there and got a tour from the site manager, Anne Lee. Yeah, they're all fine together. Yeah, we have weddings and birthdays together and... So, yeah, so they all get on well together, no problems. How much travelling actually happens in the Well, they go static. away, as I said to you, they go away, like, for the fairs, for the summer. You see, the thing is, now, you, you often, I often laugh when I read the papers and they say the travellers, they don't travel. Well, the government put us here, you know, we weren't allowed to travel because it had become a criminal offence with the Criminal Justice Bill. So you could go away to places, but you had to go to somewhere else to stop, not, not on the roadside. They still go away to all the fairs, go away in the summer. They've just not long come back in. There's a lot of Christians um, here who do the Christian missions. Here, Lily. Do you want to talk to this nice man? Come on, you can come in. Do you want to come in? Give me the tour. Give you the tour. Come in. Thank you. It's a big caravan. We've got three beds. Places to pack your clothes away and things like that. We have a very good washing facilities outside. With all our like, our kitchen, that's yeah. our toilet and bathroom and that. This is my caravan where I've, I've had, been lived in a caravan like, since I've been a child. Never lived in a house or nothing else. I, I'm a gypsy, I've lived in a trailer all my life, but we're all close to close. And you can see we've only got a small bit, but we know this is our bit. And really next door does their thing and they do their thing. And we know they're there if we needed them. They know we're there. We're not like the wild people they say in the newspapers who... You know, rob the people and rob the children. 
So how, how do you feel when you read those stories um, about people who have behaved badly and when you read uh, wider society taking a very stereotypical view, I suppose, of gypsies? I feel elated because I'll tell you why, right? Well, they think because we're all on this one side and we're all over the country that we're all the one person, but it's not actually true. And that's what really do it because when they say in the newspaper, um, the dirty gypsies have left rubbish. But how many more people do they actually write about that day? But they don't say they're actually, they're your sisters or your brothers, but they think we are all the one people. But I think to myself, I can't answer for my neighbour like you can't, but they don't understand that part. Yeah, you're all put in the same boat. The government seems to put us in a part to say, I don't know where they come from, they're all aliens, but we was born in this country. We've got every right like everybody else. Do you know what I'm saying? We're here because we was born here and we want to be normal like you. Because we think of ourselves as normal, but... Only you've been born in an hospital in a house, and I've been born into a hospital but lived in a trailer. Steve Andrews, you're the Gypsy and Traveller Services Manager for uh, Essex County Council. What, what's the mood here at the moment? Because obviously the travelling lifestyles are the cause of great speculation in the media. Lots of people are talking about it because of Dale Farm. Uh, are people wearied by the way that they get talked about in the, in the press and in wider communities? I think it's difficult for the Gypsy and Traveller community because everything any anything every appears in the press is normally negative it's normally about you know the bad things that you know people on the roadside fly tipping you know stuff which in some cases probably isn't even gypsies and travelers but it gets attributed to them but there's no there's no positive news about a gypsy and traveler there's no understanding about the gypsy and traveler culture and and it's a very long and rich culture i mean i think you know gypsies and travelers have been in this country since i believe the 16th century off the top of my head so they've been here a long long time Back to this site, how is it financed? Um, to what extent did the council help? To what extent do people uh, fend for themselves? Okay, the, um, I mean, basically it's, it's council owned and managed, but the, everybody on the site has to pay a rent. They pay a weekly rent. Um, they pay their water bill. They pay uh, electricity charges through us. Um, and they pay council tax directly to the Basel District Council because the services there are provided obviously like rubbish collection that is provided by district um, in terms of overall funding um, we're pretty well self-sufficient I mean we, we get some additional funding from something called supporting people because the site manager provides uh, additional services over and above a landlord where there are literacy issues um, on the site so they'll help them with doctor support is anything where the, the travelers you know can't access the service on their own I'm here now with John Jowers, uh, you're with Essex County Council. And to what extent is the scarcity of sites at the heart of the problems we've been seeing in recent weeks? There is a massive scarcity of sites. Um, I think that when the old regional strategy was up and running, they'd, in, they'd identified something like a 3,000 shortfall of pitches. What's exacerbated the problem is that other countries have evicted travellers totally. And um, one issue in particular is Ireland has been extremely prescriptive and effectively forced out many of their travellers who've come over here. Finally, looking at what's happened at Dale Farm, what do we learn from it on either side? I think that you can't let things run on for 10 years. And that's why we're setting up a gypsy and traveller unit where we liaise with all the, all the districts in Essex, liaise together. Northamptonshire have done it, it's really successful. I think they went from about 1,200 illegal sites a year, they're down to 90. Um, where the ability to flout the law is taken away, you can't do that. I think that the Dale Farm issue was a direct consequence of the Irish government's action. 
And at the end of it, it, it is a legal issue, it's a local planning authority issue, is that you can't be unfair. You can't be unfair to local kids who can't afford to buy or can't get any land and then turn around and say someone who's come from another country, well, actually, oh, you're, 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 you're different. You can. Candy Sheridan joins us now. Candy's a member of the Gypsy Council and has been quite heavily involved in the campaign at uh, Dale Farm. Candy, I'm going to come to you in just a moment, but uh, uh, a lot's been said about the way the coalition's chosen to address this issue, and I should say that we did ask for someone from the Department for Communities and Local Government to come and answer some of these points. Uh, Nothing doing, I'm afraid, so we put a series of questions to the department and the minister. Uh, They told us that funding for site grants was withdrawn in the year 2010-11 as part of the department's contribution to reducing the national deficit. The previous government's top-down targets for traveller site provision uh, were abolished because they didn't work and they alienated communities and they didn't always accurately reflect the need on the ground for spending. Um, They say that they're also encouraging local authorities to provide appropriate sites for travellers and offering them incentives to do so. Uh, Candy, you've been very much involved in that situation with Dale Farm, as I say. How critical is it that new sites are are built for travellers? It's imperative for the community. We've got 5,000 roadsiders in this country um, living at the road without sanitation being constantly moved on. We've just never been provided for, and it's just getting worse and worse. And even the sites where there is a basic provision, um, there's been no allowance for growth. Obviously, families have children, many children and grandchildren, and you can then um, you, may, you, you end up invoking your own licence. I've got cases of elders going to the roadside so their daughters who are married with children can stay on a local authority pitch. It is appalling. And we hear stories about you know, of that 97 million, it's almost a kind of eye-watering figure um, and, and must have seemed quite an encouraging figure when, when and it was announced in 2008. Um, isn't it extraordinary that you've come down to these kind of much smaller figures? I know that we're in, we're in a, a recession and everyone's got to do their bit, but you've gone from 97 to 15. No, nothing surprises me anymore, I must admit, or any of my community or anybody at the Gypsy Council. Um, I think it's appalling, really. We just have not been catered for and we continue to be vilified, which obviously is the main issue really here. I mean, local authorities have a duty of care to every every member of their community and um, there are very, very few good examples out there. It's obviously 15 million a, a year, but um, what will happen um, if we, we carry on as we are? Do you see more Dale Farm situations springing up? There are more Dale farms now. They're just not having the media attention. Um, I cover the east of England. There's plenty of small Dale, smaller Dale farms that are hidden away, tucked away, where enforcement is ha- happening weekly. I mean, I think you should, we need to put Dale farm in, in a bigger context. Dale farm is the tip of the iceberg. If we lose Dale farm, then it, what it does, it gives a message to every single local, local authority, don't do provision, don't bother applying for the grant, don't deliver, carry on vilifying us. Um, carry on encouraging a whole generation to grow up who aren't wanted, can't fit in and can't go to school. I wonder what Eric Pickles is saying now. I mean, the amount of times in um, House of Commons he's actually been um, concerned about traveller children education. Why not let the children at Craze Hill, Smithy Fen, South Norfolk attend school? You see a symbolic um, importance to this then. Do you think the government see it the same way? Is that why there is such an impasse? Um, I'm sure the government see it the same way. I mean, because at the end of the day, if we're going back to Dell Farm, it's a, it's a Tory council who have got um, national money. It's a local council with a local issue. There isn't a council out there. Can you name a council out there who's been given 18 million, who's ne- whose own MP has negotiated and brokered the deal? Can you imagine that happening anywhere else in the country? And of course, there's council out, councils out there saying, we'd like some of that money. We'd actually like to do some evictions. It's everything, everything is the wrong message here. Um, and it's 
you know, it, it is an appalling crisis at Dell Farm. It's a humanitarian crisis because of the misery and the illness. And at the end of the day, it was a scrapyard. And it's going to be returned to a scrapyard, not Greenbelt. No one's going to win at Dell Farm. The council aren't going to win. The residents aren't going to win. No one's winning at Dell Farm. But it was illegal. I mean, I'm sure if the council Absolutely. were here, they would say it was illegal. Absolutely. And, and, and you can't have carte blanche just to go on any site and, uh, that, that you I've always, I've always, I've always accepted, even when I started work on there five years ago, um, I started on the planning side. I'm, I'm, in effect, being their planning agent. And I, I was very, very clear. Yes, they have no planning permission. Um, when they bought the site, they had no idea that they bought it with 42 valid enforcement-owned notices. They were all offered, they were all issued on the same day to Ray Bocking, the former scrapyard um, owner. So they had no idea. They looked at scrap, you know, scrap cards, they looked at hard standing. And, um, and, I mean, to get that message across to members of the public, um, gypsies and travellers aren't stupid. I mean, they spend a lot of time looking for land, buying land. They look at brownfield sites, they look at hard standing, and they think, this'll do, I'll, I'll provide for my family, I'm very ill. I mean, they did the right thing, but they got caught out. It was a former scrapyard. It's been designated not since. So let's be clear about that scrapyard element and then what's happened with the families now is that of course of course they want to come off Basin has a duty of care when can it deliver and when will it identify the land and you could say that across anywhere in England is there a council out there with a gypsy traveller development plan that is delivering let's talk about them one of the, 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 the aspects that Lexi brought up about this money that was going to councils and not being spent because you, you have an example of that happening in Buckinghamshire Yes, um, Joseph Jones was going to be here, and I think he should comment on it at the end of the day. I mean, he's very near a site in Aylesbury called Wingfield, and he photographed the site before and after the council applying for... And it's not Buckinghamshire Council that runs that um, site. It's actually um, Oxfordshire, because they different councils run different sites, and they cross borders as well. But they, um, he filmed, the f- and he's got the footage, of the council coming on to do some refurbishment. It was a very fairly run-down but happy little site. The refurbishment resulted in the immunity blocks being flattened people left there without sanitation while they then took their time and time and time went past um, and, it, and, and it got to the point where the council could turn around and say this isn't a very good site people are living terribly here without water and sanitation I don't think it's a good site at all and what they did then was started to bund it up and I have a site also in um, Willingham in South Cambridgeshire District Council where they did uh, a very similar thing this is what councils can do they can apply for the, f- the first lot of grant without any ring fencing, without any invoices, without any checks. We keep, keep kept on saying to them, please check where the money's going. Because, um, for instance, in um, South Norfolk, they applied for 200000 It's still sitting there years and years later. It's not been, it's not been spent on any gypsy traveller site at all. It's not been de- spent on any facilitation for any gypsy traveller site. All the applications that have gone through recently, um, I've got through without any funding, mm-hmm. of course. It's worth saying that these things are seen in different ways by different of people course. because you know, we, we spoke to the council um, about the Wingfield site and they were saying that uh, they actually did spend quite a lot of money on that site but that there was a lot of vandalism and the, the, to, it got to the point where the site wasn't really habitable and, uh, and they eventually closed it down so they're saying that that, that money actually was spent on the site um, but there was vandalism thereafter. Um, which is a slightly different it's take. A slightly on, different. It's, it's, to the other the side, it's the other side of the fence. We're probably uh, we're both looking at it from different sides of the fence. In Willingham, there's a council site that's been bunded up, and there's a family that live there and have lived in front of there for six years, waiting for a house. 
um, and they've gone on footage to say that as well. I think it's on one of your Guardian films. Um, I mean, there are councils all over the place that don't want to deliver for us. And as they said in Willingham, we have enough gypsies and travellers. We don't need that site down the road. And what they do through this gypsy development plan is they have a look for their land, which is what they have a duty to do. They look around and say, this land is no longer acceptable. It's too near the village, for instance, or it's, or it's too far out, or it's not sustainable, or it's too close. And then they take the land, including including sites. I mean, this site in Willingham is um, for about 30 pitches. I would be very happy for it to be reduced down to 10 or 12, and so would everybody else. Perfect hard standing, water and services there, although it's all been flattened and bunded up. Why not get the roadsiders off in South Cambridgeshire? Why not take the people off Smithy Fen and put them there? When you address South Cambridgeshire District Council, they say it's no longer in our development plan. Where do we fit in? Well, again, I'm sure they, they might have a slightly different take on that. But, Lexi, let me come to you. Um, at the heart of this is localism, isn't it? Um, the, the, the present government uh, want, want to move very much towards this localism policy. That does, though, mean that local people will have much more direct say on whether or not there is a site. How do you, think, how do you see that playing out? Absolutely. And I think what we're going to see happening here is that it's become going to become even more difficult for any kind of gypsy or traveller site to get planning permission. With the last government, there was some moves towards making it slightly easier. There was a requirement on local authorities to measure the need in their areas and also identify areas that if sites were developed, they could get planning permission. But with the development of the localism policy, it really looks like that's gone out of the window. We now see a situation where local authorities can completely make their own decisions on this. And that is very much based on their voters, what their voters want. Of course, that's the heart of the localism policy. Democracy, isn't it? Of course. But what that really means is that nobody seems to want a traveller site in their backyard. So you get very uh, virulent campaigns quite often. I visited one in Meriden in the Midlands where the local population have um, set up their own site opposite the, the eight-pitch traveller site that has, has tried to install there and has been watching it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for 500 days. When you get that type of opposition and nothing to counter it in the rules, no obligation from the local authority, then it seems I just can't see how these sites are ever really going to, to get planning permission. Candice, that, if that's right, how do you change that? Because if you're an MP or you're a minister, um, you may have two thoughts on your mind. On the one hand, you're humane and you want to make sure that the travelling community's got somewhere to go and somewhere to live. On the other hand, you're thinking, but what about the rest of the community? Are they going to vote me out next time? So how, how, do, how do I square that circle? While, while they're having to make those sort of decisions... Life can be very difficult for you, isn't it? It's impossible for us. And um, I suppose there's, there's, there's different aspects to this. You can talk about the MPs who are down the end of the line and they're talking about their political careers. But I'm, I'm much more um, interested in local councillors because this is, the, this is what's actually happening on the ground. Well, even um, more so, they're going to be even they, more scared, they are aren't they? in the firing line. I feel extremely sorry for them. I'm always available to cover the whole of the east of England to help them in any any way. I've always offered to do that. Very few parishes have ever taken me up on it. It is a very impossible job. What I do with parishes when I visit them or any local authorities, I've done a lot of training through the east of England. I've gone out to speak to councillors. I bring a couple of films. One of them is Sights and Rights. Deliver a site in your parish 
and um, it will disappear within a matter of, um, it could be a couple of years. The children are integrated, the landscaping has grown back, people forget that they're gypsies, they go and take a lift from them, and it's a wonderful little film where they end up, um, people are speaking saying, I didn't want them there, and then it comes on 20 minutes later, do you know, I don't even, I forgot they were gypsies, they're all right, you know, and it goes on from there. It's a lovely little film. Well, so I show them that film, and then I show them another film of the roadsiders and the vilification, and, and I said, do you know why they're there? Do you know why they're there? Because you haven't provided for them. And this is the, when you ask people, what do you know about the community? What do they know about us? They only know all anything. It's anything that we've done badly, if you like, and um, anyone where they're exposed as well in a lay-by. Given that that's the situation, given that at the heart of this is how people feel about yeah. having travellers in their community, how do you begin to change that? I mean, you talked about your film, um, yeah. and, and, and maybe that changes some perceptions. But at the heart of this is, I suppose, that disconnect between the traveller community, um, what you might call mainstream communities, and how each of them view each other? It's, the bridge has just got wider because of television, of course, my Big Fat Gypsy series. I mean, I, people stopped actually saying, come and talk to us, come and talk to us. That's a major impact on our community, that um, so-called documentary. That made things more difficult. Absolutely more difficult, because what has happened is that councillors have said, I know all about your community now, and um, I've, got, I've learned it off my Big Fat Gypsy series, and I don't need to deliver, because everything I ever thought about your community was reinforced in that. It wasn't just about weddings and big dresses. Um, there was so many undertones and so much sort of in, in, insulting racism at that, at that thing. We um, handled numerous replays, obviously, um, complaints, and we went down and sat to, with a fire, firecracker, the film crew, and with Channel 4, the production um, editor as well, but, but to try and address it. But, I mean, that's, that's caused, what that did was reinforce the stereotypes, didn't it? But really, then the guy, from, the guy from that series, One Big Brother. Fantastic, Paddy. Which I know we asked a, him to come <laughs> to Del Farm. He's not scientific so, so public that, research. No, but, uh, so, so really, so you've got two spectrums there, haven't you? If you get to know members of the community, you'll discover that actually they're just human beings. But how do you get to be known when you're actually hiding up? How do you get? How do you invite people onto your site when you're very fearful as well? Yes. I mean, it's, 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 there is a massive barrier there. And the only way to break it down is, funnily enough, localism. It's actually beginning with localism. It's going to the local parish. Do you know that there is a gypsy family just hidden up? Do you know that you've actually got a lot of housed travellers? You might not know this, but they're in your local school. And I think it's just, and why not learn about them? Why not learn about our culture? Why not celebrate us? Why not bring us back into the countryside? When you're studying in school, why not talk about the land girls and who taught them? Why not talk about travellers um, with the wagons? You know, it's a romantic notion, but why not introduce us that way? Why not, you know, because that would break down the first stereotype, which is the parent passing to the child that there are the dirty gypsy traveller children. And if you could break that down and say, actually, that they, you grew up with us, you grew up with lots of um, generations of um, families, particularly in the countryside. And I think you can start things very, very slowly that way, and then you need to um, begin at the other end, which is the MPs. I mean, Lexi, you've covered this story, you've spoken to people and seen where they live and how they live. Have you learned anything about them and their lives? I've been astonished at the amount of things that I've learned, um, the preconceptions. People often say to me, well, they're travellers, why don't they travel? And it's a question that I asked myself. I didn't understand the, the, the entire concept of it. And then you speak to them and you realise, actually, it's almost impossible in the current environment for them to travel. Wherever they stop, in, the, in a lay-by or on a field, they immediately moved on. I remember as a child, I grew up seeing gypsies come into my town every summer. That couldn't happen anymore because that common land has all been cordoned off. So that's just one thing I thought of. And uh, another thing is, is how incredibly um, conservative they are. I think if David Cameron spent any time with travellers, he'd probably quite like them. Maybe a few votes. Yeah, I really think they're conservative voters. They, they're very much family-based. It's very much about the community. It's very... Um, 
they're all married at a very early age, they have big families, but they're all families that look after each other. And that is one of the big arguments of why they don't want to be housed, is because they want to live in caravans in communities, because their communities are, it, that's everything for them. But of course you have a government who philosophically want more integration, don't they? They, they, they want communities that are, they don't want any communities that set themselves apart. Um, they might look at traveller communities and gypsy communities and say, well, actually, what you want is us to help you set yourself apart. Um, that's going to be difficult for them to swallow, isn't it? Um, but Lex is right. You know, David Cameron, his family test, 86 families back at Dale Farm, many more at Smithy Fen, you know, apply the family test. We're, we're, quite, uh, we're a very interesting um, group of, um, of, you know, the clusters that you see, particularly at Dale Farm, where they're supporting each other. If you, what is wrong with a bit of diversity? We're 21st century Britain. What is wrong with delivering housing estate and at the end of every housing estate delivering 10 or 12 pitches or 6 pitches? What is wrong with a child that's born and raised in a caravan or raised in a house? What is wrong with that? Why can't we mix along those lines? But lastly, uh, Candy, if, if it is localism, um, you were at one point a Liberal Democrat councillor. Is there more scope for more members of the Gypsy and Traveller communities to maybe involve themselves in politics I hope so. and, and thus maybe um, make That's localism work it. for you? We need, we, need, um, we need more examples. We need um, children to stay on at secondary school if they're not pushed to the roadside. We, them to, we need them to become politicians um, and we need them to um, become involved as well because bear in mind it's a very private um, community and if you put your head above the parapet or you put your hand up like I've done, you, you do get shot down. So, I mean, it's a very, you, have, you have to have an awful lot of inner resources and you have to have a very good family around you, which I have, mm -hmm. and very, very, you know, which is helpful. But you also, you, we need better examples. We need more people to come forward and change things. I, I mean, I think um, David Cameron, if he had a little chat with a few of people, he'd be quite surprised that you'd actually have some gypsy Tory councillors who would step forward quite rapidly, um, being believing in sort of enterprise, self-employment, family values, and just wanting to make a difference. And then you'll have other ones like me. Yeah, well, we'll see if David Cameron takes up that idea. Um, but thank you to both of you. That's all we have time for. Only time will tell whether Dale Farm was a catalyst for change or a warning of battles to come. But thanks to Candy Sheridan, Lexi Topping. I'm Hugh Muir, the producer of this Guardian Focus podcast was Peter Sale. Until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.